With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. He's Rod Hill for FM News. One- Are you ready? Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. And the lying dog face pony soldier. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. Thank you. Thank goodness it's Friday. Happy Friday. Friday. This is... This is... First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show, and welcome to my favorite day of the week. It is First Amendment Friday, not because it ends the week, but because we open up all the phone lines, and your phone calls and emails are welcome. Uh, naysayers are always welcome throughout the week, but on First Amendment Friday, we get a little looser than most of the rest of the week. I want to ask you this. In Joe Biden's America, can a business owner still close his business if he wants to? Well, apparently he or it cannot. When we're talking about large companies, can a large company simply say, some of these stores are not working out for us, we're going to close them down. Now, there is currently a National Labor Relations Board order. They are saying that one of America's biggest and, I guess, most noteworthy companies, it's a, it's a name known to virtually everybody, Starbucks, has been told that the NLRB wants them to reopen stores that the company decided to close. And I think that's absolutely crazy. We don't yet live in a socialist country, although I think Joe Biden's friends and allies might want us to be in a socialist country. But until we are, can the government tell a company you're not allowed to close your stores. I'll get into the details of that in just a moment. But first, welcome to First Amendment Friday. And if you want to jump into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's always right here at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to disagree with me, you're a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the line. We always have. We always will. At 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And, of course, you can always vote in our Twitter poll. My producers and I put up a Brand new question, uh, question of the day, every day, at Lars Larson Show on X or Twitter, uh, and also on our website at LarsLarson.com. But let me get to this. This is completely crazy. The coffee giant Starbucks, and I really don't have a dog in the fight there because... I'm not invested in Starbucks. I don't own a Starbucks store. Uh, and in fact, I don't even tend to care for their coffee. I think they burn their beans, so I go somewhere else. But Starbucks has decided to close about two dozen stores nationwide. Eight of them 
are in its home state of Western Washington, uh, but they are they're closing the stores because they're not working out. Now, every business has run into this from time to time, and most companies don't like closing their stores down. Why? Because they open the stores up to make a profit. But if they're not making a profit, if the stores have become a problem because, let's say, for example, they happen to be located in places where crime has gone up dramatically, where their front window keeps getting broken out, where their customers are afraid to be there because of all the drug dealing and the homelessness and the assaults and everything else that are going on in that area, a giant company like Starbucks that literally owns hundreds, uh, tens of thousands of stores worldwide and, and thousands of stores nationwide in America. If the company says we got to close down two dozen stores, but then the labor unions rear their ugly heads and they say, no, no, you can't do that. You're only closing those stores because of our union activity. Now, some Starbucks stores have decided to be union represented. I think that's foolish. I think it's anti-competitive. I think that in some cases, people who decide, let's form a labor union, don't understand they are cutting their own throats because the labor union, yes, will make demands of the company. And if that doesn't pencil out, the union doesn't have to care. You're still paying your union dues, but your job may be going away. And where it gets really crazy that the National Labor Relations Board has filed an official complaint accusing Starbucks of unlawfully closing 23 of its stores out of, as I said, thousands and thousands of stores that they own. The federal agency demand demands that the company reopen all of those closed locations and then pay all the workers for the work they didn't do in the stores that have already been closed. Now, if any naysayer thinks that's right, I'd be glad to hear the argument. I think it's insane. And if, frankly, I don't think that the government, even the National Labor Relations Board, which, by the way, very much reflects the politics of Joe Biden in the White House, uh, I don't think the NLRB can force you to say you must operate that business. And here's what's really crazy. If they had only closed stores that had been unionized or about to be unionized, they might have actually had an argument. But only a couple of those 23 stores were trying to unionize, and they are happen to be in parts of America where crime has risen dramatically. They have closed stores in places like San Francisco and in Portland and in Seattle and a number of other cities in neighborhoods where it's notoriously dangerous. And yet here are the unions saying not only can we form a bargaining unit, not only can we go on strike if we choose to, not only can we make demands that might not actually pencil out at the end of the day, but now... Our union is going to file a complaint with the federal government, and we want to force the company to reopen the stores, even if the stores aren't making a profit, even if that location is not working out. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But, of course, unions do crazy things all the time. But the fact is, if the company says we need to close that store, maybe we'll reconfigure it. Maybe we'll figure out different security. But for the time being, does a company in Joe Biden's America have the privilege of being able to close one of its stores or two dozen of its stores? I think they do. 866-439-5277 to comment. Naysayers go to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Let's go to Jim, first of all, on a First Amendment Friday. Hey, Jim, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? 
Thank you, Lars. A long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you. Uh, my question is, after these uh, trans athletes had gotten their uh, their scholarships and deprived real female athletes of their uh, their right, has anybody decided or thought about keeping track of them to see how long they keep up this charade after they graduate from college? I would like to do that, Jim, because, but I mean, enough, this whole thing has exploded in about the last five or six years. Now, people will say, well, trans people have been around for hundreds of years. That's true. But the trans movement, the way it's exploded in America, it's only been around for a few years. And I'm telling you, Jim, there are going to be people who say, eh, I'm kind of a mediocre swimmer, track man, whatever, uh, with, with the times I'm producing. Um, uh, but, but if I become a woman for a time, uh, my times and my scores are going to look fantastic. And I, I could see somebody doing that. And when I've had people suggest to me, Lars, nobody would do something like that. Jim, imagine getting a college as this volleyball player just got a Division I scholarship for women's volleyball, except it was a biological man who says he identifies as a woman. And if you said to somebody, would you be willing to pretend you're a woman in exchange for a couple of hundred thousand dollars worth of college paid for by somebody else? I have a feeling there are more than a few people who'd be willing to take exactly that deal. And if they later on say, I've decided to detransition, who's to tell them any different? Because most of the systems, the educational institutions that are doing this, they're not even insisting on what the standard is to become a woman. Do you have to just take the hormones? Do you have to do the surgery? Do you have to have your plumbing removed? Who knows? And what, where will they go in a few years? Again, who knows? But we should keep track. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday, and you're listening to the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google. Yeah, he's everywhere. The Lars Larson Podcast. That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, you're bloody well right. You know he got a right to say. This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? <laughs> 
that great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead fish wrapper or mainstream media bias. Hey, newsflash, an awful lot of the legacy mainstream media in the Pacific Northwest have not been telling the story, at least not the way that we've been telling it here on the program. But Northwest colleges and universities have just sent a devastating message to your athlete daughters specifically. Don't bother with women's sports and the scholarships they might bring. You have to compete against men, and they're going to win a lot of the time. The University of Washington only awards 12 women's volleyball scholarships for its Division I team. We talked about this yesterday when the story first broke. And only 11 of those 12 scholarships went to actual women. One went to a man who says he identifies as female. It brings a whole new spin to that 12th man now, doesn't it? Who wins out of this nonsense? Well, the University of Washington demonstrates its woke political correctness, so they win with a lot of their liberal donors. The team likely benefits from the muscles and the reach of a six-foot man on a woman's team. God help your daughter if she happens to catch a volleyball in the face spiked by this guy. And the LGBTQ crowd, they love it. They've scored another victory against who? against women. And who loses? Every single girl who has dreamed that volleyball, track and field, swimming, or some other sport will pay the cost of her college. And what do we hear from the so-called women's rights groups? You know, the same groups that fought for decades for Title IX equal opportunities for women? Crickets. The National Organization for Women keeps its collective mouth shut, although I want to say parenthetically, NOW is invited to be on this program anytime they want to explain why they're not standing up for women to this kind of challenge. I think it's fair to say right now, NOW identifies as silent. Our question of the day, and I thought this was sparked by the fact that there are reports now. Hunter Biden's friends say that he has told them if if he ends up being prosecuted for the tax and gun crimes that could send him to prison for 42 years, he may actually flee the United States already. Would anybody really mind if Hunter Biden and the rest of the Biden clan actually left America permanently? The threat represents, as the New York Post put it, the often neurotic nature of the president's son, who's 53 years old and looking at 42 years in prison for the tax and gun charges. In recent conversation with family friends, Hunter has worried that he might have to flee the country if Donald Trump is elected president again. Well, check this out. The polls lately show that Donald Trump leads Joe Biden in six out of seven crucial swing states. So, Hunter, you better get busy packing right now and don't let the door hit you on the way up. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. I want to give the uh, Daily Grill to the union, the labor union that represents Portland public school teachers. And why? The very same union that stole much of the Christmas break from all those school kids with that ridiculous strike and their ridiculous demands. And the school district that apply, agreed to, uh, to uh, grant raises that they already admit. They're about $150 million short of being able to pay for those raises. So it sounds like cuts are coming. Well, guess what? 
The minute the strike was over, 30% of union teachers called in sick or are taking leave next week. From the Daily Fish Wrapper, as of yesterday, 1,067 so-called educators in Portland Public Schools had requested leave in some form or another next week. That's about 30% of the union's 3,600 members. Some may be for a day or two. Some may take all of the week off. In other words, your kids got cheated out of weeks of education by the union strike, and now the teachers are going to cheat them again. Today's best email, but you can always send more, came from uh, to talk at LarsLarson.com. Jim Arter writes in, Lars, well, another perk for the homeless people. The city wants to give them a place to store their stolen belongings. I mean, their belongings while they go out and look for a job. Didn't you mean store their belongings while they go out and look for things to steal so they can get money to get more drugs? And, of course, the taxpayers, we're going to pay for that. The Democrats don't want to solve the problem because solving the problem means no more money coming into use for other things things instead of what they say they're going to use it for. you got to love people that keep voting for Democrats. We all know the definition of insanity, and if you look it up in the dictionary, it says Oregonians, Washingtonians, and Californians, because they are definitely the definition of insanity. Thanks for your time, signed Jim. Jim, it's First Amendment Friday. Thank you for the email. Send those emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And let me go to uh, our first phone call on First Amendment Friday. Second phone call. Let's go to Jerry in Newburgh. Hey, Jerry, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Well, uh, since we're on the transgender train here, my thought is, you know, the, the politicians say, eh, it's okay to have a, uh, a transgender See a boy turn into a girl in a locker's room, but if it was their daughter in that room, that'd be a whole different story and things would change. But since we're just the little people, it doesn't really matter. No, it, it wouldn't. And, and of course, Congress likes to apply different rules to itself. Uh, when it comes to the rules, then they apply to everybody else. That's true on EEOC, OSHA, and a whole host of other things. But it's a very good point. Let's go to uh, Gordon, who's calling in from Milton. Hey, Gordon, welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Well, hi, Lars. Yeah, um, I was, uh, my wife and I were watching TV last night. We just cut the tail end of a uh, segment on uh, Newsmax. And what they were covering there was a gentleman from a different state was holding up a voting ballot and it had uh, the people's name on it and then which party that they were uh, affiliated with you know yeah. so they can get the uh, you know their party's primary ballots well uh, they're saying that how illegal that was well you know not many years ago maybe eight to ten years why ago, is that illegal Gordon can you tell me what's that again why is it illegal because I know that if I want to go down in states that require party registration, Washington does not. But if you go yeah. down in Oregon and you say, I want to know, uh, when I was a registered voter there, uh, is Lars registered to vote and what parties he registered in, it would have said Lars Larson Republican. So that's public information. How is it illegal to disclose that? Well, I, I was just, uh, you, you know, I'm just saying what, uh, what this gentleman was saying on there last night. Do you agree you know with that? that? Well, I don't know. You know, uh, what I do agree with is um, we know here now, you know, because this happened here in the state of Washington. Now, when, when those, that information went into the, uh, the, the information, you know, for our county and stuff, they know that when we get a ballot of any kind, 
you know, what our affiliation is, and they can get the ballot and look at our name and what party we're with and throw it out. Except, and, you well, know, it, it's theoretically possible. I mean, it's, it'd, be a fe it'd be a crime to throw out the ballots, literally. But Well, that happens all the time, you know. Well, My I'm wife sure and I does. have both seen... But in know, Washington, you know, we have the jungle primary now, so we don't even have a real party primary anymore because we have people running, you know, in a way that top two ends up going on to the general. And so Washington State's a weird animal. I wish we'd go back to party primaries, but I don't think that's in the cards. It's First Amendment Friday on the Radio Northwest. The Lars Larson Show. political climate. He's the steamroller. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on First Amendment Friday. It's a great day in the Pacific Northwest, relatively dry for a change. Our Twitter poll today, should the government threaten people who use gasoline leaf blowers with jail time? I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. It's the idea of State Representative Amy Whalen, Democrat of Kirkland, probably has a, a landscape crew that comes and uses leaf blowers at her home, I would guess. She has pre-filed legislation called House Bill 1868 that would ban gasoline-powered and diesel-powered landscaping and other outdoor power equipment because they contribute to, what else, climate change. And in fact, if you violate the law, if this bill passes as Representative Whalen has proposed it, and she's welcome on the show any time uh, to explain this, uh, the person who uses that evil gasoline leaf blower could end up going to jail. I think that's crazy, so I'm going to answer no on the Twitter poll. I actually wrote this one. Um, the Today's Twitter poll can be found on X at Lars Larson Show and on our website at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Yesterday, I asked you about University of Washington giving that uh, women Women's Volleyball Athletic Scholarship to a Biological Man Who Identifies as a Woman. Should any university give a coveted athletic scholarship for women to a man? 96% of you joined me in a no vote. Only 4% of you were naysayers and said yes to that idea. Now, on that note, let's go to Mary Beth Miller, who is a parent and a board member of the Chesterton Academy for Saudi. Uh, Mary Beth, welcome to the program. Hi, Lars. Happy uh, 10 days before Christmas. Well, happy Christmas and Merry Christmas to you as well. And uh, you want to talk about Kwanzaa. How did Kwanzaa manage to invade your neighborhood? Well, that's the uh, the Park and Rec District, the Tualatin Hills Park and Rec District. It turns out that they don't mention Christmas 10 days before Christmas, but they do have huge banners all over the 50-acre, 50-mile 50 actually, 50-mile district property. Um, celebrating their um, their Kwanzaa party that they're throwing. They say it's a joyous Kwanzaa celebration on December 29th. There are no Christmas parties, however. No Christmas. Did they explain? Have you been able to find out from them their official reason for uh, for shunning the uh, the federally recognized holiday of Christmas? The on-site staff uh, have explained that um, that they do have Santa letters, um, and they uh, don't really know why uh, the Kwanzaa event is being uh, is being held. 
I tried to contact uh, the administrators and kind of got the runaround from five different people. Uh, you know, the, the person I believe is putting on the event, I was told, quote unquote, she's in and out. Uh, I, I really think these district administrators um, work for the far left board and they're not accountable at all to the patrons of the park and rec. Now, I got to tell you, Mary Beth, over the years, I've explained to people why I don't like Kwanzaa. And I want you to explain what Kwanzaa is and what your take is on it. But I don't like it. Its origins are very suspicious. Uh, its founder actually went to prison for torturing a couple of women. Uh, and it, I, I find there are a lot of objectionable things about it. But that's my take on it. I want, I want them to hear your take on it. Well, that was my concern, too. Uh, you know, I'm going to this rec center for, you know, athletic activities. And, and as are thousands and thousands of kids that live in Beaverton and kind of the, the vicinity as they're walking in and out of the building, they see these huge banners of Kwanzaa. You know, these innocent kids have no idea what the evil underpinnings of this supposed holiday, this fake holiday are, you know, this guy, like you mentioned, he's a 1960s radical, founded this uh, this fake holiday. He's kind of a violent nationalist um, radical. He was an O.J. Simpson apologist. Um, his group uh, was complicit in the murder of, uh, you know, people on the UCLA campus. He, he had that uh, conviction and imprisonment. So the guy's a felon, and uh, the principles of his holiday, Kwanzaa, has seven principles. They're the exact same principles of the Symbionese Liberation Army. The seven principles, uh, Lars, are, are written on all of the promotional flyers, banners. They're all written in Swahili, um, the same as the Symbionese Liberation Army. And, and kids have no idea what this is. Yeah, and in fact... Uh... <laughs> It was it intended just to cut to the chase to be the black version of Christmas or a, a Christmas like celebration for black Americans to replace Christmas? You know, Lars, I really can't get into the minds of these people and I, I wouldn't want to. Um, but but the organization uses, you know, a seven headed cobra. It uses communist collectivist language. Um, it's. It's essentially affiliated with the terrorist organization, and the fact that this is being served up to kids in the park and rec district is, is gross. Yeah, and, and, you know, I know that the politically correct, and I have a feeling a lot of this traces back to political correctness, has to do with inclusivity. And yet I'd be willing to bet that if you walk down the street and ask ten people uh, what Kwanzaa was, uh, you'd probably get a zero out of ten most days of the week because most people aren't even aware of it. So how is it inclusive to mention a holiday to not mention the one holiday that is recognized by in a country that's majority Christian? You know, whether the, the politically correct class likes that or not, America is still a majority Christian country. But we're an inclusive country in that the founders thought we need a country that is not a theology uh, theocracy and, and does not have any religious tests for public office or voting or privilege, you know, uh, rights and privileges or anything else. And, uh, and yet to have a, a holiday marked by a, a government agency, and that's what Twalton Hills Parks and Rec is. It's a government agency. Uh, and then to shut out the one federally recognized uh, religious holiday, which is Christmas, seems just absolutely lunatic to me. 
It doesn't make any sense unless you um, realize honestly, Lars, that uh, these banners and this Kwanzaa event, it's, it's just a, a red flag symptom of a deeper problem. So you dig into what's going on in the district and um, the board of directors really flipped during the 2021 election right after the George Floyd stuff. And then the 2023 election, more radical board members were appointed. So if you've heard the name Barbie, Barbie Minor, uh, she gained some notoriety recently for being a Hamas apologist. Uh, she is a board member. She's also on the budget committee. Uh, so the, the rest of her board of directors are similarly radical. One of them works for the Virginia Garcia Planned Parenthood Clinic. They're all activists, DEI type people, far left radicals. Uh, the district now does land acknowledgements. They have an equity statement. Lars, let me read it to you. It's only one <laughs> sentence. We acknowledge that all us gov all U.S. government agencies have roots stemming from systemic racism and oppression, including THPRD. This is a total lie, Lars. The origin of THPRD, it was founded 70 years ago by um, a PE teacher in Beaverton, Elsie Store. Um, they're, they're lying about the history of the THPRD um, and this uh, this Kwanzaa event is is just kind of a, a red flag of a deeper problem. In well, I'll tell you what, that the, the, the most direct way to act, because people always say to me, well, what should I do? Vote no on the next uh, levy. Vote no on the next bond measure. And, and just send them a message that way. And maybe send them a message by saying, we don't want our kids associated with this stuff. If you're going to try radical indoctrination politics, try it somewhere else. But in the meantime, we don't want to support your organization. Maybe they'll get the message. It seemed to work when Harvard uh, was looking at a hundred million dollars or a billion, uh, actually a billion dollars in losses when they decided to take the PC approach there. That's Mary Beth Miller. She is a parent and a board member at the Chesterton Academy. It's First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your phone calls and emails. Yeah, they're talking about taking away your tax kicker in the state of Oregon. We'll get to more of your calls in just a moment. You're listening to the Radio North West I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.
wise words from President Reagan. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go. This is the Lars Larson Show. Vice President Kamala has nothing to say, but she will say it anyway. She's got a word salad you won't understand, and you wish that she would go away. The border she's in charge of, but she won't go there. It's a full-blown crisis, but she doesn't care. Vice President Kamala's one heartbeat away And that should scare the hell Should scare the living hell That should scare the hell out of you Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. That's our great parody guy, the great Jim Gossett. Glad to be with you on a First Amendment Friday and always glad to take your calls. I want to warn you about something, and I've mentioned this before, but there is an increasing appetite in Salem, in this case, to steal the tax kicker. And if you wonder, well, what's the tax kicker? It's a way of controlling state spending. It was passed in 1979, long time ago. And it was finally put by citizens into the state constitution so that state lawmakers would not be as tempted, they're still tempted, but not as tempted to steal the kicker. Except that what it says is if the state overcollects expected tax revenue by 2% higher than lawmakers had budgeted based on, the money has to go back to the taxpayers. Seems perfectly appropriate to me. $5.6 billion is now due next year to go back to taxpayers in Oregon. Because the state of Oregon, which all the way through the pandemic predicted, oh, woe is us, we're not going to collect nearly as much taxes, and then they ended up collecting even more taxes. And then they put things like the corporate activity tax, the so-called cat tax, into effect. And now they're just floating on money, and they can't resist the idea, all that money in that kicker, we want that money. And uh, folks who are sensible say, well, in the Constitution, that money has to go back to the taxpayers. They say, we don't care. We want that money. It's sitting there. We want it, and we want to take it. So I'm warning you that right now there are already efforts underway to say we want to find a way to steal the tax kicker despite the fact that it's in the Constitution. Glad to have you with me on a First Amendment Friday. Always glad to take your phone calls and emails. Our Twitter poll today, should the government threaten people who use gasoline leaf blowers with jail time? There's a piece of legislation introduced by Democrat Representative Amy Whalen of Kirkland, House Bill 1868-1868. It would go into effect January 1st, 2026. It would make it illegal to use gasoline or diesel-powered landscaping and other outdoor power equipment because of the way it contributes to climate change. And if you violate that law, under House Bill 1868, you could literally go to jail. That's the insanity of the left when it comes to the climate. Let's go first to Ron in Tacoma, listening on the Radio Northwest Network and KXL. Hey, Ron, happy First Amendment Friday, and in advance, Merry Christmas. Well, thank you, and same to you. Before I get to my topic, I'd like to finish what you were saying. If your government does, uh, does not use deadly force to defend your borders, but it'll use deadly force against you uh, to collect taxes and enforce unconstitutional laws, then you have a traitors running your country. 
I think that's fairly right. And we'll remind people, they might have missed it the other day when we talked about the fact that the IRS now has five thousand of its agents who are authorized to carry guns and the agency itself has bought almost five thousand firearms including automatic weapons semi-automatic weapons pistols shot, uh, rifles and shotguns and they have stocked up about six million rounds of ammunition and you wonder why does the irs the green eye shade folks why do they need all those guns they've got they can always call on the assistance of local law enforcement, the local sheriff, the local police department. They can call on the U.S. Marshals. They can call on the FBI. There are lots of people they can call on. Why do you need an army of 5,000 armed uh, revenue agents is what it amounts to. And and I've never heard a good explanation for that. So I think I think you're right. They They won't defend your borders with guns, but they will. They will come after your money. Let's go to Kent Washougal. Hey, Kent, welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind? Hey, I answered my question, Lars, but thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I was seeing uh, you kept talking about going to jail, so I'm looking at it right here. I'm looking at the bill. It's also, um, uh, it, she's, Wayland's one of them, and then Barry's the other one. I looked these up last night. I was reading through it, and I missed this part i was like where's he getting it you can go to jail but i see now it's 7a.15.3150 anyway all that stuff i'm going to look those up and read them they, but, they, uh, they buried that part of it but they want they want jail as a penalty for using a gas-powered leaf blower or or you know yard tool and i've got a number of well, those and and i think it's insane it's also a slap in the face to all the people who do landscaping work to tell them throw away all those gasoline and diesel powered devices and go out and spend thousands of dollars uh in the case of a small landscaping company maybe tens of thousands of dollars to buy the 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 uh, battery powered version which is going to require all kinds of changes and a big financial investment and she wants to say, and if you dare to violate the law, we might just throw you in jail. Does anybody think that's reasonable? Well, I don't know, but I was looking up last night, too. Her husband owns the Jeep uh, dealership up in Kirkland, Washington. So I wonder if they're just going to run all battery Jeeps now. I, I, I think that's the plan of the climate alarmists out there for sure. Ken, thanks for the call. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday on the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Welcome 
to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're a lying dog face pony soldier. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. Thank goodness it's Friday. Happy Friday. This is First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I've been sounding off a bit uh, about the idea that men might impersonate women and then compete against them in sports, both in high school and in college. And I've been warning folks, saying, listen, at some point we're going to hear about a college that has granted a full-ride scholarship to a biological male who now says that he identifies as a woman. And I said that should be seen as a problem by any parents out there who have a daughter uh, who aspires to, say, get her college paid for by being very good at swimming or track and field, basketball, volleyball, whatever it happens to be. Well, now it's happened. The University of Washington has granted one of only 12 women's volleyball scholarships that it controls to a biological man. And apparently, by all accounts, he is a very good volleyball player. He stands six feet tall. Uh, he's apparently won a number of awards, and that's all great for him. What it's not great for is the women who get shut out of those opportunities, especially when you remember all the decades of effort that was put into saying, let's afford women an equal opportunity. Not a greater opportunity, but not a lesser opportunity either. And I thought we'd talk to Sally Sisk, who's a member of the PGA of America, former golf professional at the Vintage Club in Indian Wells, California. Ms. Sisk, welcome to the program. Hi, good afternoon, Lars. Thank you so much. It's an honor and a privilege to, to be speaking with you this afternoon. Well, you're so kind to say that. Merry Christmas in advance, but you spent almost a third of a century in the PGA, and you were reasonably successful, correct? Yes. Um, I actually tried to play a little bit of professional golf back in the late 80s and um, was not successful at that and went ahead and got my Class A PGA card um, and became a member. Um, a friend of mine and I were the 18th and 19th female members of the Southern California section in January of 92. Because you um, came into was, the sport at a time when women were not necessarily afforded an equal opportunity in, in, the, in the sport of golf. Correct? No, but what was very interesting with the PGA, because more women will, most of the women go into the LPGA in the teaching division and club pro, but there's some of us that go into the PGA or, or do both. Um, what they did was they created shorter tees for us. So they did like 15 or 18% shorter distance, because if I go play the blue tees with, with, um, with Joe Smith, he's going to hit the ball 50 to 80 yards further than me. So that's what was their idea of equity. And it did encourage more women to play uh, from shorter tees with the idea of, you know, we would have like the same irons into the hole as, um, as the guys did. So, okay, um, so, so they, made it, they made an effort, but they didn't really make it level and even for you. So I want to know what you think. The different sport, but when you hear that the University of Washington, which has only 12, it's a Division One school, so this is a big deal, and they have 12 scholarships they can give to women, and they've now given one of them to a biological male who just says he identifies as a woman, so he gets the free ride. And somewhere out there in America, there's a young lady who had hoped to be uh, getting that free ride scholarship for her volleyball skills, and she's not going to get it. That is correct. And when I read that last night, I was mortified. I was disgusted and disappointed that 
the University of Washington because we moved from Oregon up to out, out east of Seattle. And I read that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe that that happened. Um, so I did um, uh, email the, um, the athletic director there uh, this morning. I probably won't hear back. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, uh, if, if this gentleman wants to say he's a girl, fine. Um, but, to, again, to take away one of 12 scholarships, and Lars, I don't know um, on the on the club level if you understand these young girls. They start playing club volleyball in third and fourth grade, and the amount of time and money and everything to achieve that if they you know if they're good enough to go onto a D1 level, it's just crazy. And in in the D1 level, there's only like you said 12 scholarship opportunities, so there's not a lot. There's D2, D3. Um, I'm not sure about the junior college for volleyball. But still, it's just, it's not fair. And under this DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, I, I just think that they have completely missed the boat. I sure hope Riley Gaines is, gets over here and starts um, talking. I've actually reached out to her on Instagram and haven't heard anything. But I think the women need to start, really step up to this. And, and that's, I that's part, but Sally, that's oh. part of what really confuses me. I mean, I've been a reporter for a long time, and I can remember NOW, a uh, national organization for women, uh, that said we have to afford equal opportunities in the fights over t uh, 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 Title IX to say at least the colleges have to afford equal opportunities. And to my read, it sounds like Title IX is effectively dead. If any man can say I identify as a woman, a woman uh, with not even the not necessarily the requirement that they make any physical changes to themselves, but just say I identify as woman and get this opportunity and take it away from a young woman. Uh, that 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 basically flushes most of what Title IX was supposed to offer to American women. Absolutely, I agree one hundred percent. I, I uh, where are the lawyers in this? Um, I think the people, uh, women are afraid to say anything. Don't ask me why. Boy, I would be out there with my, you know, with my signs. Um, I haven't done it yet, but, you know, I'm tempted to just go down there and go down to the U and go in and say, what's going on here? But nobody will do it, Lars. I don't know why, what they're afraid of. Um, if they're afraid that the far left's going to come banging on the door, I'm sure that they probably are. They don't want BLM and Antifa in their driveway holding signs. Um, and maybe that's what it is. But if the if the girls and the women don't step up, women's sports will be will be over in in a short period of time. I agree with. Um, you. I don't understand. And, sorry, Sally. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go. The, ahead. the last one I'm <laughs> going to say with this transgender issue. I was listening to a clip on C-SPAN of Representative Summer Lee with Riley Gaines and talking about sports and the sense of self-esteem and self-worth. If they're that big on transgender, create your own division. Have a, a men's a division, a women's division, and a trans division. Let them play, but let them play in their own division and not with with, with claiming their girl and playing a girl's division. That's See, not like someone's going to get hurt. That well, and I was going to ask you about that next. Not as much an issue in golf, but in volleyball, we've already seen incidents where a male player spikes the ball and hits a young lady in the head or in the face, yeah. and and has been yeah. people have gone to the hospital. What should we tell them about that? Do you tell your daughter, go ahead and play, but if the guy hits that ball, he may just damage you? That's right. It, well, and the other thing, too, is the girls need to band together. They just have to say, look, at, we're not going to play and forfeit. And I know some teams have done that. I've read about it, that they've done that. They haven't participated. It's huge in women's cycling where now these cyclists, these boys, you know, men cycling with women, they're winning. And if the women, and powerlifting, and if the women will boycott the event, that's the effect it's going to have. They, the, they the, need to do it. The women have to band together.
I had that I had that discussion with a caller yesterday, and I said, "But you're asking this these other young ladies forfeit your scholarship, forfeit your education, forfeit your basically you're going to be out of volleyball if you forfeit unless they actually turn around and change the policies." You're out of volleyball. You're probably out of the university where you got the scholarship, and all that goes away. I want people who are outside of that. I want NOW. I want American citizens. I want parents to stand up and object to this nonsense. That is Sally Sisk, who's a member of the PGA of America, former golf professional at the Vintage Club in Indian Wells, California. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday, and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show. that I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs, but how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Just listen for five minutes. You'll feel better. More with Lars Larson right now. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's First Amendment Friday. Your calls are welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. I want to mention one thing before I go to our naysayer. Republicans, I think, have sold out Americans. And I say that because I know there are some of you who listen to this show who say, Lars, you never criticize the Republicans. But check out what just happened. Uh, Republicans have voted for a an extension. Now, they'll say it was a short extension. I don't care how long the extension was. It, yeah, That's like being a little bit pregnant. If you've extended warrantless spying on Americans by the federal government, that's wrong. And yet, the House of Representatives voted yesterday on Wednesday to 310 to 118. So a lot of Democrats, uh, a bunch of Republicans, voted to extend the federal government's warrantless spying on American citizens. It's known as Section 702 of FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. It has been abused over and over again. It has been used to spy on Americans who have not committed any crime, are not suspected of any crime, and yet it's been used to do uh, to, to do spying on Americans without a warrant as re required by the Constitution. And I would quote Rick Grinnell. He was the former acting director of national intelligence. And what he put on X or Twitter, he said, you won't be allowed to say that you understand the abuses of the FBI if you vote to reauthorize the current FISA program. 
That is exactly what Republicans did, and that was a sellout of Americans' freedom and security to say the federal government can spy on Americans who are not suspected of any kind of crime and that they can do it without going to court, persuading a judge that there's probable cause and getting a warrant to do it. On that note, let's go to John, who's a naysayer. Hey, John, we welcome naysayers every day of the week. First Amendment Friday, the same. Uh, what do you and I disagree about that makes you a naysayer? Lars, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. What What do we disagree about, John? Oh, okay, good. I I dropped my phone for a moment. Okay. Well, so the, the previous caller, a few callers back, made made mention about a, a traitor president that would take arms his own people. Did, did I hear that correct? I think what he was talking about, no, what the emailer was saying was that any government, if, if a government will not defend its own borders with deadly force, meaning guns, uh, but it will use deadly force by arming 5,000 IRS agents, that that's a bad government. Uh, okay, the armed federal agents inside the yeah, you keep asking me a question, but John, what do we disagree about? I haven't heard that yet. Because I just wanted to make sure I understood everything correct, so I don't stick my foot in my mouth or, or say something that's not okay. correct. So the re and, th and thank you for confirming I heard it correct. The, the, what what this reminds me of was when we had riots and problems here in Portland, which I'm certainly not defending that. I'm not saying it's correct at all. It was wrong, in fact, is what I'll say. But what was just as wrong was when Trump authorized disguised federal agents to be on the street in downtown Portland detaining people with force. And Why is that? Why, since, since Donald Trump sent federal agents specifically to protect federal property, federal buildings, including a very expensive federal courthouse, why was it wrong for the president to send federal agents to protect a federal courthouse from being burned down to the ground, which is what Antifa and BLM tried to do? What Trump? What Trump did was, and, and your statement, if it was, if your statement was accurate, you would be correct. Unfortunately, the statement you've made is not accurate. I Tell me what part of it is inaccurate. I, I, I work for I work for news also, Larson. I'm in broadcasting also. My name's Trump Lars, not people. Larson, but go ahead. I'm no, sorry, but, but Lars. what is what is inaccurate had, about what I said? People. The president sent federal agents to protect federal property. What's the problem? Yes, and I'm and I'm trying to answer you, Lars. Uh, in this case, I personally witnessed with my own eyes where people were two blocks away, two to three blocks away from the federal courthouse on city property. Doesn't matter what property they were on. What, what matters people. is what threat they posed. If those were people trying to take action against federal property, they're fair game. And are you telling me that when people try to set a building on fire, a federal building on fire, that law enforcement should not attempt to apprehend them? No, what I'm telling you is law enforcement should attempt should attempt to apprehend those people. Are U.S. Marshals law enforcement, John, John, in a park. John are, law, are U.S. Marshals law enforcement? You and I both know the answer to that, Lars. Don't they're, they're law enforcement. So is Customs and Border Protection. Their agents were involved. So is FBI. Their agents were involved. Yes. All those federal agencies so, are all law enforcement agencies. I still don't know what your objection is. 
Lars, let me ask you a question. Should uh, they be protecting want. federal property, or should they be two to three blocks away in a city park? Well, John, uh, the, the answer is that you can pose a threat to a building from two or three blocks away. And there were people who were doing that. There's nothing that says if you're protecting a building, you can only be standing within six feet of the building and anybody standing 20 feet away or 200 feet away or 2,000 feet away is not a threat, right? Is that Lars, what you're trying more, to say? What's the more obvious threat? Somebody trying to light a building on fire? Or somebody standing two or three blocks away. In a somebody trying park. to light a building on fire. And if they're involved in that activity and they flee to two or three blocks away, it doesn't mean you're playing tag and you're a kid and you can shout, Ali, Ali, oxen free. I'm, nope. I'm no longer close enough to the building that I've been targeting Hello? to be. Con I'm, I can hear you just fine, John. I don't know what's wrong with your phone. But the fact that you're trying to defend terrorists, domestic terrorists, who tried to set fire to a federal building, doesn't make any sense at all. But I appreciate the call. I always appreciate a uh, a, a good a good naysayer. Uh, let me go to Richard. Hey, Richard, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars, how's it going? It's going very well today about, for a First uh, Amendment Friday. Yes, there it is. Uh, I got a quick question about uh, considering what we know about transgenders and their increased risk of suicide and taking into account that anybody who would think of committing suicide would probably not mind hurting others. Do you think they have the right to legally own firearms? Well, the technical answer is yes, they do. I mean, they have the right because if you go down to uh, buy a gun and you want to fill out the Form 4473, there are a bunch of things that will get you turned down. One is if you're a convicted felon. One is if you're a user of illegal drugs, including marijuana. Uh, one is if you've ever had a judge commit you to a mental institution by order of a judge. If you've volunteered yourself and you went to a mental institution, said, I'm having troubles, can you help me sort things out, you, you, you won't be turned down. But right now, the, the answer to your question is, somebody who says he or she is transgender is still able to buy a gun unless they are a domestic abuser, a convicted felon, or they've been sent to a mental hospital by a judge. So the technical answer is yes. Is there a reason to question, should somebody who has the kind of mental difficulties that makes them much more likely to commit suicide, should they be allowed to? Uh, I think I think you could make the argument they shouldn't. But the answer is right now, until they change the law or change the procedure, they will be. And don't count on the Biden administration to make those kinds of changes to the Form 4473, because that ain't going to happen. Glad to be with you on the First Amendment Friday. Always glad to take your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. So you don't have to. Bringing the political heat. He's Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I try to follow the events on Capitol Hill, although that place is as Looney Tunes as anything in our government right now. But the Congress is tied up right now uh, because of the fact that Republicans have said we are not going to grant $56 billion in domestic emergency funding requests for things like child care, natural disasters, high-speed Internet, and all the other stuff that the administration wants unless unless the administration, the Biden administration, gets serious about the border. So 
uh, because I don't entirely understand it. We decided to get our friend Romina Botch on, who is Director of Budget and Entitlements at the Cato Institute. Romina, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Have I accurately described the mess that's on Capitol Hill that I guess has the Senate sticking around till Monday when all those senators would like to go back and take a few weeks off for Christmas? Uh, yes, just about. I, I, I'm not, not happy with the position that the Republicans are taking on this either because my position continues to be that if additional emergency spending is necessary and is a priority for this Congress, then they should pay for it. They should pay for it today with uh, cutting wasteful spending and, and addressing improper spending and waste, fraud, and abuse. There is actually hundreds of billions of dollars in those areas if Congress got to work. And if they can't find savings immediately, then they should adopt offsets in the future. They should pay back the emergency spending this year with uh, spending reductions over the next five years uh, because uh, we, we cannot afford a, a $2 trillion in deficits and interest rates at historic highs to continue to blow up the federal budget deficit, which is what they would be doing with this emergency spending package. So the border negotiations are all good and well, but that's not going to help us pay for uh, this new emergency spending. That could be 100 or, or, or $160 billion if the administration gets their way. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. The, the whole idea in Capitol Hill I've heard described as pay-fors. That is, you want a, a billion for this, find a billion of other stuff to cut. And, Romina, am I right to be suspicious that when they say, oh, uh, we want to spend $162 billion right now, but we promise, mm -hmm. cross our hearts and hope to die, that we'll pay it back through savings we'll find over the next you know year or, or five years, I never believe that they're going to ever find those savings. They just want to spend the money and promise that they'll gladly pay you back some other time. Should we believe even those promises? Or should we say, you want to spend that money now? Find the savings now in today's budget. Well, I think that would be better to find the savings now because Congress also has a tendency to waive these future savings uh, when the future comes. However, at this stage, they're not even making any false promises that they're going to repay those funds. The, the problem we have with emergency spending that is getting worse is that Congress has figured out that it's an unlimited loophole that they can basically label anything as being for an emergency. Um, there are no strict guidelines that they're held accountable for. In fact, a lot of members, when they see something labeled as emergency, they don't look twice. They just assume that that's what that must be. And so with that uh, attitude, we have now added roughly 43% of the national debt is, uh, is, it can be attributed to emergency spending. We did uh, an, an analysis that had never been done before, looking at emergency spending over the last 30 years, going back to 1992, and we identified almost $12 trillion, this is before interest, <laughs> on the debt from that spending in emergency spending, which on a $27 trillion debt is, uh, is almost 43%. So it is sizable, and Congress keeps using that category in ways that it was not intended.
You know, and I, I guess, Romina, I always think of it in somewhat personal terms because I think it makes it more understandable for somebody like me. But every family out there that's facing higher costs, largely because I think of Joe Biden, uh, they sit down at the end of the month or at the beginning of the month and they say, OK, what do we absolutely have to have this month? We've got to pay the rent. We've got to pay the mortgage. We've got to pay for our car payments. We have to pay for utilities. We have to keep the lights turned on. We've got to pay for groceries. Everything else is on the want-to-have list, and they make cuts. And and the cuts are things that actually affect things they want to do. Uh, family might have already said, we're cutting our cable plan. You know, we're doing uh, this, we're doing that. We're selling one of our two cars. We can't afford both of them. They make those hard decisions. Why is Congress inca seemingly incapable of doing that same thing? Yeah, they are not incapable. They are just unwilling, and for as long as... Uh taxpayers and their constituents will let them get away with it, they're going to keep doing that. And we argue in our piece in the Washington Examiner that emergency funding deserves extra scrutiny because it faces less oversight and bypasses the typical trade-off considerations that we want Congress to make if they're going to be good stewards of taxpayer money. And that's where the problem lies, is that American families, they spend their own money, so they're going to be more careful, and when they're going over budget, they will face the consequences. But when Congress goes over budget, they're spending American taxpayers' money, and for the most part, they're spending the money of future taxpayers, children that haven't even been born yet, people that have no voice in the political process because they're not voting. That's what happens every time they add another dollar to the deficit, is that they're pushing it off onto the next generation, who will not only pay for today's spending, but also the interest costs that we will incur as a result of this irresponsible deficit spending. Well, and Romina, I also try to come up with ideas that are actually are workable. I mean, I'm, because occasionally I'll get callers who will say, well, let's do this, and they talk about things that aren't even possible. But is it fair to say that right now there is still literally hundreds of billions of dollars out there that was distributed during the, so, the pandemic emergency uh, that hasn't even been spent? Congress could say... We're clawing that back. We know we gave this to schools. We gave it to all kinds of other entities in America because there was an emergency at the time. And many of those institutions didn't spend those dollars. Well, the emergency is long over. Say, fine, if you didn't spend it, send it back. We're canceling that out, and we're going to use that yeah. to pay for this. That's available to them, isn't it? That money is available, but we would actually have to have a change in the law. This is the crazy part, is that the way the law currently works is that when Congress authorizes money to be spent, agencies cannot just give that money back. They're required under law to spend it, and so you get really wasteful spending because uh, they can't give it back. We actually have to change the law to allow them to give it back. I know that sounds crazy, but that yes. is current law. And, well, be, uh, and be, yes, because a lot of that spending was wasteful. <laughs> yeah, just so people understand, when Congress decides to spend money, it's called an appropriations bill. And an appropriations yes. bill is a law. Fine, they've said we've appropriated this money for this purpose. But all this yes. takes is for the House and Senate to say, we gave you the money during what we thought was an emergency. You didn't spend the money. Yes. It wasn't needed during the emergency. The emergency is over. Can Republicans and Democrats get together on that and say, let's go back and change the law. It takes a vote in the House and a vote in the Senate right. and a signature at the Oval Office, and they're done, right? 
That's what it would take, yes, because if the agencies just tried to give the money back, that would be considered impoundment, which is illegal. The administration is not allowed to impound funds. That's what that would be considered. But, yes, Congress can absolutely take that money back. The, the issue is that the Democrats want to spend more. Even if that money is going to be wasteful, they seem to be on a crusade to just spend more and grow the federal budget. I, I, I can't explain it any other way because every a reasonable Democrat, too, should see all the waste that has happened because so much money was put out during the pandemic and the massive inflation that we have suffered. And yet they don't seem to be able to grasp that or they don't want to understand it. And so they're pushing to spend more money, push more money out the door. We saw this in the appropriations bills in the Senate where they did not stick to the debt limit deal that they struck in May with the Republicans and then Speaker McCarthy. And the Romina, I'm going to have to cut it off at that point. That's Romina Bacha. She's director of budget and entitlements at the Cato Institute. It's First Amendment Friday and you're listening to the Lawrence Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. He has small town politics with big town opinions. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a First Amendment Friday. Always glad to get your phone calls and emails. I want to tell you about a big court decision that just rolled out within the last hour, and that involves Rudy Giuliani, uh, the former prosecutor, the former mayor of New York, uh, of course, a very big supporter of Donald Trump. He had made accusations against some poll workers in the state of Georgia after the fraudulent 2020 election. And guess what happened? He got sued by some of those poll workers. They say that Rudy Giuliani's comments about them were defamatory. They have now won a court judgment. Get ready for this. $148 million to two poll workers because he was found to have slandered them by alleging that they worked to cheat former President Donald Trump out of the 2020 election. $75 million in punitive damages to Andrea Moss and her mother, Ruby Freeman, as well as $20 million to each woman for emotional distress. Uh, the jury had deliberated for parts of just two days before coming back with the $148 million judgment against Rudy Giuliani. This is insane. 
I mean, because there were good reasons to question what went on the night of the 2020 election when we saw that the poll, or the uh, vote ballot counting had been shut down allegedly because of a water main break at the Staples Center in Atlanta, Georgia. And then we found out later there was no water main break and that counting went on without, without uh, the press and the public and observers able to see what was going on. To your calls, it's First Amendment Friday. Let me go to Mike, uh, who's calling in about the Starbucks stores, which now the NLRB is trying to order Starbucks to reopen stores that the company decided to close, mostly because they're in dangerous parts of cities like Portland and Seattle. Hey, Mike, welcome to the program. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, my uh, oldest daughter used to be a wholesaler for the Oregonian and delivered papers to all these stores, Starbucks stores and all the other accounts in the downtown northwest Portland area. And, and at that time... She had 23 stores that she serviced, and the uh, 11th and Lovejoy store, when it opened, uh, it was a, a really a busy, busy store, and they did a lot of business. And as time progressed and when the uh, pandemic hit, uh, things started falling apart down there, and they broke uh, four big plate glass windows over a period of probably less than six months. Yep. It's easy to understand why they left. So, Mike, the question I want to ask you is, now the federal government is telling Starbucks, you close the stores. We believe you closed them because you were fighting union activities, uh, which the, which Starbucks denies. And, and I think their denial is solid. I mean, some of the stores have unionized, some have not. Uh, but But in this case, should the federal government be able to order a company to keep stores open when the company has decided to close the stores? Absolutely not. They shouldn't have any uh, jurisdiction over these uh, over Starbucks and tell them what stores they can open. Yep, I'd agree with you, Mike. Thanks very much. I appreciate the call. Let me go to Pamela. Pamela, who's listening to AM six ten. That's K O N A in the Tri Cities. Hey, Pamela, welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Hi, Lars. Uh, uh, last this last week, I overheard. I heard about the national asset companies being developed by uh, New York Stock Exchange and the SEC. And evidently there's a period of time when uh, the public can call the SEC and tell them what they think of their idea of creating these companies. Hmm. And that period of time ends in uh, January 2nd, I believe. So it's right in the middle where everybody's too busy to even pay attention to it. What these companies do is they control the land, uh, natural assets, uh, that's both public and private land. So say a farmer wants to grow a certain crop and he's using water a certain way, but these companies could uh, come in and say, you can't do that. So that, uh, say, a farmer then will not have the same amount of crop development or growth that he's used to having. Um, or if a... a a state, uh, if a federal, uh, park is, uh, uh, bought up, uh, assets are bought up, uh, by these companies or are controlled by well, these no, companies. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You mean if a private company is allowed to buy, say, Mount Rainier National Park? 
um, they're not going to. I, I see what this natural assets company idea, the SEC Securities and Exchange Commission, wants to approve them. And what they're saying is they want to create companies to provide a vehicle for elite investors, meaning Bill Gates and his buddies, to profit from the protection of natural resources created by the climate, process, uh, climate crisis that they claim is out there. They said that it would allow federal lands to be enrolled in those but it wouldn't mean that, they, that the ownership of national parks would transfer to a private entity. But uh, but what are you suggesting that, that people – go ahead. Yeah, the control is what they're after. So um, uh, what it would end up is the, the farmers would, would not produce as much food as they used to, and the prices of the food would go up, and the uh, big money uh, – People would control, say, carbon uh, exchange, what do they call it, carbon exchange? Uh, yep, yeah, and they would want to make some money from that by, by basically yeah. saying we're going to protect this land, so then we'll get a bunch of government money for it. They say they want to uh, wall off some of the land. They say they want permanent protection of at least 30% of the world's land and oceans by, they say, by 2023. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that was a typo. Uh, Pamela, thanks for the heads up. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. This is... This is... First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's my favorite day of the week, First Amendment Friday, and I'm glad to be with you and always glad to get your calls. Glad you could join me on the Radio Northwest Network. We're coming up on our 24th anniversary of serving the Pacific Northwest states, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho with honestly provocative talk. And if you want to join the conversation, that's easy to do at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Naysayers always go to the head of the line, although I want people to actually disagree with me. And our Twitter poll today that you can answer, we also call it the X poll. Uh, should the government threaten people who use gasoline leaf blowers with jail time? That's exactly Exactly what House Bill 1868, uh, introduced by a Democrat by the name of Amy Whalen from Kirkland, is proposing. 
that if you use a gasoline or diesel-powered leaf blower or other landscaping and outdoor power equipment, that you can actually be thrown in jail. Now, do I think it's likely people will go to jail? Probably not. But the point is, to threaten people with jail time over yard care seems absolutely insane. What also seems insane is a story that got a lot of attention because of my friends Ari Hoffman and Jonathan Cho, a dis uh, journalist at the Discovery Institute, who talked about a woman who showed up with an insane kind of protest at a school, Tillicum Middle School, in the Bellevue school system. Uh, Jonathan, welcome back to the program, and tell me what was happening. This incident actually went down in November, but the video has just been made available by uh, by you and the and the Post Millennial. What what was going on that day? Yeah, so basically, um, it was a routine drop off uh, in the morning at Tillicum Middle School in the Bellevue School District, uh, just ten fifteen minutes away from downtown Seattle. Um, and there was a disturbance out there. Parents initially said that a woman was yelling free Palestine and Black Lives Matter um, and was taking uh, signs from another group of parents and kids who were there who were actually protesting to save one of the local schools that could be closing. Anyway, long story short, uh, this woman who was allegedly, uh, you know, behind all of this, you know, her name is Uba Gardhiri. Um, and I kind of connected to the name to an incident nearly a decade ago where another guard here, uh, was accused of threatening to blow up a school bus full of kids. So after doing the public disclosure request and finally getting the video, we realized, oh, my gosh, this is the same guard here who uh, was known as the bus bombing lady after that and who also ran for King County uh, Council uh, just a few years ago. So this story has really taken off. Yeah, I remember when that happened, and the, she jumped on a school bus. She didn't have any kids, as I recall, on the bus or at the school, but got on and told the driver, you're going to do what I say because I might have a gun and I might have a bomb. And all these kids panicked, right, rightly so, and, and tried to escape this crazy woman. Then she runs for King County Council. Thank God didn't make it, although with that kind of insanity, who knows, uh, because King County is kind of crazy as well. What in the world has inspired her to show up? And I'll play a little bit of the sound from the video that you uh, came up with. Ta uh, let's play that sound bite right there, Joel. Hey, Trevor, get the f out of my car. Hey, help me. Get her out of my car. Stop her. Stop her. Stop her. Help me. That was the scene outside Tulliga Middle School, and this is a frequent flyer in the criminal justice system that they don't seem to be able to, to correct her crazy behavior for a, the better part of a decade and a half. What? Wh why is that, Jonathan? Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, you know what you don't see in the uh, you know here in the audio there is uh, the visual of the parent, by the way, being attacked. It's uh, another male, and he was in his right to clearly defend himself, but. He's being credited now for tremendous restraint. He was just begging her to let go. In fact, she uh, left scratch marks on her, um, his neck. And, uh, you know, actually, we asked that question. Someone who's been arrested multiple times now for, uh, you know, these types of unhinged incidents, will she be prosecuted? Well, we're, we found out that actually Bellevue uh, City Attorney has decided to file fourth-degree misdemeanor assault charges, and she has a court date on Saturday. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but again, uh, the uncle at the scene, uh, Gardieri's uncle, claims that she was not 
her medication for bipolar disorder. So clearly this woman has a history of mental illness, and uh, we hope she can get the help that uh, she needs. And Jonathan, correct me if I'm wrong when I describe the video. This woman was not just screaming and yelling at this man who was just there to drop off, I believe, his daughter. But she literally tried to, he had left his driver's door open and he was standing outside the car. She starts climbing inside the car where I believe his child was still there. And, and so she was presenting a real threat uh, to this man's family. Yeah, and not only, you know, trying to jump in his car, but smashing uh, the hood, slamming the hood of the vehicle. And then she decides to lay on the ground in front of the car so it can't move, you know, disrupting, you know, the pickup lane. So all of this uh, behavior was picked up on video, and it really is, uh, you know, hard to argue with what's going down here. But uh, we still don't know ultimately what uh, triggered this. Right. I mean, again, she yelled free Palestine and Black Lives Matter. But uh, these parents who are in the pickup line had nothing to do with Palestine or Black Lives Matter or any type of political protest. Again, the context here that morning, there were some parents and kids who were holding up signs saying save Odell Elementary School and, you know, some of the other Bellevue Public Schools slated for closure maybe in the next year. And uh, possibly uh, Gardieri uh, confused what was going on. Well, and but that is true, but because part of the report you put up, and this is Jonathan show from the Discovery Institute, is that there were Jewish parents in the Bellevue School District who had already complained about the rise of anti-Semitic incidents in the classroom. Is it possible that's what drew her to, to the issue? You know, it, it's really hard to get inside somebody's mind. But, yeah, as you mentioned, tension was already high, especially since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. And there are a lot of Jewish kids in the school district, and uh, they're allegedly, you know, dealing with a lot of, you know, taunting as well as, you know, you know, slogans like from the river to the sea, some other students, you know, chanting that in the classroom and writing swastikas in the classroom. So this incident with Gartieri certainly didn't help. Is the Bellevue School District taking action to say we're not going to allow that kind of that kind of activity by students? Because, look, I'm all for free speech. But if you're sitting in a classroom chanting at your Jewish classmates saying from the river to the sea palestine will be free which means the extinction of the state of israel uh and you're you're chanting that and taunting your classmates uh is bellevue schools taking any action to say we're not going to tolerate that kind of behavior well the superintendent interestingly enough held a, a school board meeting uh recently and uh, faced parents and these complaints and you know he obviously said he was against any type of you know islamophobia or you know anti-semitism in the classroom but wouldn't specifically answer, uh, you know, that question, how he would handle or how he's advising teachers to handle those types of slogans. Oh, I can side. tell you how to handle it. The teacher should say, you say that one more time. You're going to the principal's office. Principal's going to call your parents. They're going to pick you up at school, and you're not coming back until you agree to knock that stuff off, except that I don't think the schools have the guts to do it. That is Jonathan Cho. He's a good friend of the show. He's also a journalist with the Discovery Institute in Seattle. Back in just a moment, I'll get to your phone calls and emails, and I want to give you a sample of some of the emails I get here at the show. You're listening to the Radio Northwest Network and the Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? 
Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Unwrapping the news so you don't have to. Back to the Lars Larson Show. I think that public safety post-pandemic is moving in the right direction. Certainly in the city of New York, we've seen that homicides are down and shootings are down. That is a good thing. And New York has been restored as the safest big city in the world. Unbelievable. I mean, the denial of reality you hear from members of the Democrat Party, like Hakeem Jeffries, member of Congress from the Big Apple. That was him literally saying public safety is moving in the right direction. Unless I remind you that 26 of the top 30 cities with the highest murder rates in America are run by Democrats, that crime is still a major concern for citizens. But I guess if they can just deny the reality of it and say, no, it's all going just fine right now. And New York City is now the safest big city in the world. That's Hakeem Jeffries, member of the Democrat Party, uh, by the way, party of slavery since 1829. Glad to be with you on a First Amendment Friday. If you want to jump into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. I told you a bit ago that Rudy Giuliani, one of the best allies that Donald Trump has, um, and of course he fought part of the fight to try to correct a fraudulent election in 2020. Well, a jury has now just taken basically less than a day to decide that uh, Rudy Giuliani should pay $148 million to two Georgia elections workers because he allegedly defend it, defamed them. I'm reasonably certain that's going to be appealed and the appeal will be successful. But let me go first on that note to Mike. Hey, Mike, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars, thanks. Hey, I just had an important point that you didn't mention. Um, I believe he was found guilty by default, which means the judge decides that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but default means that you either didn't show up to court or you didn't produce discovery that was subpoenaed. So the judge made that decision. I don't believe the jury actually got to participate in the trial. They just decided how guilty he was and how much he paid. Is that correct? That, that, I believe, is correct. And they said that their deliberations took parts of two days. So summing it up, about a day's worth of deliberations, they didn't put a lot of attention into it. Uh, but frankly, 
I understand that there are times public figures like Rudy Giuliani or Donald Trump can say things about people who are just ordinary workers uh, and that they don't like it. Uh, but the fact is, a lot of us criticized what was done in Georgia. We saw the fraudulent work that went on on election night when they lied about why they shut down the vote count. They then continued to count out of public view, which is not supposed to be legal. I mean, elections are supposed to have uh, observers. You can go down and say, I'd like to observe observe the election. I'd like to observe the counting process. I'd like to watch all this. And they deliberately cut the public out of that. And Giuliani was critical of those women as a result of that, uh, perhaps too critical. But in this case, I have no doubt they're going to appeal this decision. I don't know that he'll get it knocked down to nothing, but I don't think they're going to get $148 million. Now, now, didn't they do the same thing to Trump? And I'm not going to mention the radio show host out of respect to you, Lars, but they also did that to a radio show host. They found the fault. It seems like the left is using this more and more so they don't have to go to an actual jury trial. They're, they're using the process more and more to try to get uh, people silenced is what they're trying to do. And the only reason we don't mention other radio hosts on this show, because we're a syndicated show, uh, it creates problems for our affiliates because some of our affiliates may run that other host show and some may not. So uh, <laughs> it would be like having a sure. Ford car salesman start talking about Chevys and Toyotas while he's on the job. So that's the only reason we have that rule. Uh, but uh, but I don't mind. I mean, you hear me credit people all the time. I don't ever take things from folks without giving credit. That's that would if I did that kind of thing. Well, I'd probably be president of Harvard if I was a good plagiarist, but or president of the United States. He's a plagiarist as well. Mike, thanks for the call. Let's go to uh, J.C., who's a naysayer on Rudy Giuliani. J.C., what do you and I disagree about? Uh, yes, yeah, good afternoon, Lars. Uh, thank you for always taking my call. You bet. Really appreciate it. Um, well, one thing is a little background on Rudy. I really liked Rudy. He, um, yeah, actually, I, I still do. I would have voted him. Uh, I would have voted for president for him back in the day when he was halfway decent. Um, he started hanging around that scary, hairy, orange head scary man and it pretty much ruined him um I think what do you find i'm curious what do you find scary about donald trump <laughs> i just look at him that's all i gotta say well, about no, hold that. on you, um, you, you, you do you look at what he does or do you look at his I hair i mean do you really him. judge people based on their hairdo you've already heard you've already you already know how i feel about him but anyways rudy actually he got off easy i thought they'd go for more um you know um the the laws work here the the jury system, the justice system works here in this country. That's why this country's so great, um, you know. And I just well, no, why? Why is it? Why is it that critical comments about poll workers should bring a judgment of 148 million dollars because Rudy Giuliani was critical of these women? Oh, because those mag extremists wanted to hang these people. They wanted to hang them from the cellars. They want to drag them down the street, Lars. Where did yeah. you ever find any part, anybody right? who's a, I consider myself a make America great again person. Where have you ever heard a MAGA person say, let's hang them from the cellars? I don't know what that means, but whatever it means, well, uh, you, where'd you, you, you get that? Take, take, you can just read between the lines, Lars, I guess. You, you know what I mean. Well, no, I don't know what you mean. No, I just told that. you I don't know what you mean. And, I, and I'm curious, but I guess if you're not willing to answer, I'll move along. Let's go to Alan. Alan, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. You also wanted to weigh in on Rudy Giuliani. You know, one thing about this, now they can sue Merrick Garland for all his false 
statements about uh, parents were treat were uh, terrorists, and they can sue uh, Adam Schiff for saying that guy was a a Russian agent, which he wasn't, and they can sue. Uh, it sounds like you're listening to the radio, Alan, and unfortunately our producers oh, tell no, you I got not to do that for a very good reason, but I appreciate the call in any case. 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Let's go to Alma. Hey, Alma, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Oh, thank you, Lars, for taking my call. And I was thinking it's justified that those ladies get that amount of money. That's slander. You can't slander people. And another thing I wonder, how in the world Trump's not going to help him, and Trump is guilty of just as much and bad as Rudy Giuliani. Can I ask you what Trump is guilty of? I'm curious. It, oh, my God. You, you, the list goes on and no, on. No, give, me, give me your favorite thing that Donald Trump is guilty of. If I said this, you're going to say, oh, you're crazy. I believe he had that guy killed. You know the one that, with all those women? I can't think of his name. And I believe Trump is guilty of I don't know who you're talking I know. I, I seriously don't know who you're talking about. Alma, what did you're accusing Donald Trump of murder? Well, I'm not just the way. Okay, let me stop that right here before you stop and say you're not going to talk to me. But I do think he's guilty of not paying taxes. Uh, 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 Does the IRS say that Donald Trump didn't pay his taxes? Because the IRS is usually very happy to say when people haven't paid their taxes. I haven't seen the IRS say that. But Alma, you're usually a great naysayer. Thank you for the call. It's First Amendment Friday. Your calls are welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. You're listening to the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest now. The Lars Larson Show. You can literally have Lars with you all day, every day. Podcasts at Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and live right now. What a time to be alive. Here's Lars. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Well, if I'm wrong in saying that I think the temporary extension of Section 702 is wrong and that the Republicans sold out the best interests, privacy interests of American citizens. I'm sure that James Jarnowski will set me straight. He is senior policy analyst in technology and innovation at Americans for Prosperity. James, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Lars. Just a little primer, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Section 702 grants to federal agencies the power which they have, you know, routinely abused to the tune of hundreds of thousands of times uh, in recent years to spy on Americans who are accused of no crime and suspected of no crime. Have I overstated what 702 does? No, that's exactly right. The program is meant to go and help the intelligence community go and target the communications of non-U.S. persons, but in the process of doing so, they often collect Americans' data, and they go and they search through that without a warrant. So it's an egregious violation of their civil liberties, in my opinion. Well, and the other, the other piece to that is today, especially because of technology, it wouldn't be difficult for an agency that says we need to keep an eye on foreign nationals uh, because of national security to be able to segregate uh, the, you know, so that you protect the privacy inter interests of Americans who get caught up in those wiretaps 
uh, and segregate their information, their identities, and their words away from the words and the identities of the foreign nationals. They could do that. They've chosen not to, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's very simple for them to be able to respect the constraints that are placed on them by the Constitution. But like anything else, when you have this nice, shiny tool at your disposal that you can use, why not go and, uh, you know, proceed to go and leverage it to the best of your ability while there's a lot of legal uncertainty as to whether or not you can actually get away with some of this stuff. So they're going to go and continue to have it as they can until they're told otherwise. And that's where Congress was supposed to come in and have something there to go and hold them accountable for all those abuses. Well, how it is, how is it we have a bare majority of Republicans, 221, who voted uh, uh, Wednesday on the impeachment of Joe Biden? So they were there for that one. But on this one, only 73 Republicans and 45 Democrats opposed the bill. So it had bipartisan opposition, just not enough to win the day. Why did Republicans agree to sign off on this? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's because it's exactly the reason why leadership went and put it into the NDAA conference bill. The National Defense Authorization Act is probably one of the few must-pass bills that Congress has to tackle every year, and there's usually a little bit of something in it for everybody, right? So voting against that bill uh, makes it very difficult for you uh, because of those kinds of reasons. And, and I think at the end of the day, there are a lot of members who certainly empathize with our position, but, you know, they made it. It was very hard for them to go and vote against that when, when they had all those other interests in the NDAA that they did support. Um, so that that's why I think it kind of played out the way that it did. Obviously, we'd well, love to see more members of Congress standing up against this kind of stuff, but it, in some ways it's not necessarily surprising. Well, the other piece to this, when they when they say, and I've heard this defense, there has to be a few dozen times in the last 24 hours saying, but it's only a temporary extension. To me, temporary extensions that violate the privacy and the constitutional rights uh, of of American citizens are like being a little bit pregnant. You can't be a little bit pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're either invading the civil rights of American citizens and the privacy of American citizens or you're not. And when you say, well, but we're only doing it for a little while, uh, is, is that a reasonable defense? No, not in my opinion. And the reality is, is that it's a short-term extension in name only. So while it goes and technically extends the FISA authorities until April of 2024, well, what we worry might happen is that the administration's intelligence communities would go to the FISA court and ask for a new certification of their spy authorities, and those certifications are given out on a year-over-year -year basis, right? So it's actually not an extension in 2024, but it could go out as far as 2025. That's where we're worried very seriously about this short-term reauthorization because there was no limiting language that prevented that kind of a scenario from playing out. So it's something that we'll have to monitor very closely between now and April. I'm talking to James Zernowski, who's a senior policy analyst in technology and innovation at Americans for Prosperity. James, I, I'm an old guy, so I'm old enough to remember when Democrats used to care about the government spying on people, and they almost made it sort of a left-wing cause, as though it didn't happen to conservatives as well. How did this flip happen, where all of a sudden um, uh, most of the Democrats are in favor of spying on Americans? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and in some ways I think it, it mystifies me because, to your point, they've historically been pretty strong on civil liberties issues, and I don't want to knock them too hard because there were actually a number of de Democrats that did join in saying no to the NDAA, um, and, and when we're talking about this broader FISA reform fight, there's actually quite a number of Democrats that are certainly on board with that, notably Senator Ron Wyden, Representative Sarah Jacobs, Representative Jaya Paul. I mean, we have a lot of strong allies that are on both sides of the aisle that care deeply about this issue set. It's just that, again, 
this is why it kind of played out the way it did. It got attached to that must-pass bill, and uh, I think everybody knows that when it's those kinds of bills, it makes it very hard for members to go and say no to it. Um, so that's why we're going to continue to do the work that we're doing at Americans for Prosperity, as well as the other members of our coalitions that we work with in this particular issue set to make sure that we can hold the intelligence community accountable um, as they come up with this new deadline and not let it go and continue to be this push the book, you know, push this issue down the road as much as possible with kicking the can here. Okay, so James, do you get any sense that given that this has probably received more attention in the last year or so than it has in a long, long time, that the agencies understand the public opposition and even the congressional opposition to the abuses and plan to constrain their behavior? Or do you think they're going to take this as a single of, yep, we got caught, we, we, we surveilled literally Hundreds of thousands of times, American citizens not accused of a crime, not even suspected of a crime, and Congress doesn't seem to give a damn, so we're going to keep on doing just what we've been doing all along. Which one do you think is more likely? I think it's a little bit of both in some ways, but I would say that it's actually more that they realize that people are not on their side on this issue, more so than the, uh, the latter description that you had there, because um, ideally they wanted to go and have a clean reauthorization of Section 702. That's what they and the administration have been pushing for the bulk of this year. Uh, they never had the votes for that, unsurprisingly, because the American people in Congress were not with them on that. Then they thought they could get behind a very weak reform and name-only kind of bill out of the House Intelligence Committee. They didn't even have the votes to get that done. So I think that's why the short-term reauthorization came into play, because now they have to actually seriously sit down and think through what can they live with while we go and try to advocate for the same reforms that we've been advocating for this whole time because that's how we go and restore the lost trust in these very institutions that have violated the law flagrantly as you've mentioned and really you know just undermine the trust in the american people in the very institutions charged with protecting them from these kinds of threats and is there anything that protects america from having these very tools used as they as i believe they have been used uh through the fisa court during an election, because 12 months, less than 12 months from now, we've got an election coming up. And if these intelligence agencies in the deep state are on the left, as they always seem to be, uh, they could they could be a tremendous benefit to the Democrats in a way that cheats Americans out of a choice of their own leaders. Yeah, right now, the, the FISA Act is remaining exactly the way it is. So it's something that is certainly of concern. There's no changes, no reforms to anything like that. Um, so that's why, again, I think that it's incredibly important for us uh, to go and work with Congress, the great members that we've been working with, to ensure that we get the reforms that are needed um, to hold the FBI as well as the rest of the intelligence community accountable for their repeated and flagrant violations of the law here. The worst thing that's happened to anybody that's violated this law, by the way, Lars, to my knowledge, is they've gotten probation. And that's just wild to me. And that was for lying to the FISA court, if memory serves right. So that, that's just insane. We need to do better than that. Americans expect more. And time to fix FISA is now not after the election. No, it should get fixed, but I don't have a great deal of confidence that the Republicans will stand up and get it done. James, thanks very much. That's James Zernowski, Senior Policy Analyst at Americans for Prosperity. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our Twitter poll, and you're listening to the Radio Northwest now.
me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. He's up before you are, weeding out the right from the wrong. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Should you have to potentially go to jail if you use, get this, a gasoline-powered leaf blower? That is the brilliant idea of Democrat member of the state legislature in Olympia, uh, Amy Whalen. Amy hails from Kirkland. I'd love to talk to Representative Whalen sometime and say, why would you ever write a bill, House Bill 1868-1868, that would ban the use of gasoline-powered and diesel-powered landscaping and other outdoor power equipment? She wants this in place by January 2026, so January two years from now. She wants it to be in place. There will be a ban on that equipment. It is going to seriously impede the operation of landscaping companies. It's going to force an awful lot of people, if passed, in Washington state to get rid of probably millions, if not tens of millions of dollars worth of equipment. And in the case of small companies that do landscaping work in Washington state, it might force them to buy millions or tens of millions of dollars worth of battery-powered equipment to replace it. But the craziest part is, and you could go to jail if you flout the law. As, as I said, I'd love to talk to Democrat Representative Amy Whalen, Democrat of Kirkland. I doubt she'll come on the show, but she's welcome anytime, and we'll, we'll treat her as nice as pie. So, should the government threaten people who use gasoline leaf blowers with jail time? My answer is no. You can answer it any way you like. It's a real question. It's going to be considered by the next legislature in Washington State. Uh, today's Twitter poll can be found, or X poll, can be found at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Let's go first to Brian. Brian, thanks for listening in Pasco on AM 610 KONA. What's on your mind? Yeah, you were talking about the transgender issues. Uh, to my knowledge, I am the only um, male who identifies as a male that was required to transition from male fully to female to be able to fully utilize my medical benefits that I now, earned. How did that happen? Now, You're going to have to give us the details and give them to us quick. How did how did a medical institution I say... I was involved in a medical malpractice from a doctor here in town who botched a urological blockage, and then he committed suicide. So I was out with any way to get it fixed through the hospital. So I went to multiple places to get corrective surgery, and the only... Uh, 
doctor that said he could fix me was in L.A. at Cedar sinai and he was a urologist there, but he was also the head of the transgender department. So when I went to my HR at my work for the Department of Energy here on the Hanford site, they blocked it because apparently they didn't want me to go to L.A. for the de- the transgender service there because all I want to do is use a Da Vinci Mark II robot. So what their justification was, they said that there are no medical codes in America for my medical condition, therefore I'm not required to have medical coverage. So you get no medical coverage. It's all or nothing. So they said, well, I went through about 20 appeals. Then they said, well, we'll write some codes specifically for you so you can use your medical. And they said, well, we really can't write codes for you, but we found a code that will work for you. You just have to fully transition from male to female. <laughs> wow. So I fought for three and a half years. I paid $86,000 to a lawyer to fight the system, and it came to the point where I had to make a decision whether I wanted to survive or not. So the Department of Energy spent about a million dollars in litigation and fighting me, and I had to spend... $86,000 in a lawyer, plus I ran up a $400,000 medical bill to change me from male to female so I could fix a medical mistake by a doctor that had a drug problem who killed himself. Brian, you know what? I want to get your contact information. Joel, would you mind grabbing his contact information? Because that's a story I want to follow up on. Let's go to Janice. Hey, Janice, welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind? Hello, Lois. I love your show. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, here's the thing that gets me. Now, I just, I just looked up her information here on the Internet, and I'm going to call her office. Uh, what would this Amy, Amy Whalen, you mean? Yes, absolutely, Miss Whalen. Yes, I'm going to call and leave a message. This is absolutely insane. It is. They don't want you to have gas stoves. Now, she doesn't want people to have uh, the gas-powered leaf blowers. What are they going to do next, come after your gas-powered lawnmower? Yep. Oh, I, I mean, as I understand it, Janice... This doesn't just ban the leaf blowers, and and let me correct that impression if I gave that, because I've read this part. House Bill 1868 bans gasoline and diesel-powered landscaping and other outdoor power equipment. Now, that would include, not, I've been shortchanging, I've been shorthanding it to just leaf blowers, but if they're banning gasoline-powered outdoor power equipment, that would be your lawnmower. It'd be every other string Everything trimmer, all have. those things. Yeah. And you know why they're doing this? You know why I it, think they're doing this? One of these reasons they're doing tell it? Tell me. Tell me. Climate change. Stupid. Climate. Oh, they are. That's what they're saying. And by the way, Janice, for the individual homeowner, it would be it would mean that and I would be affected by this. I'd have to throw away or somehow sell outside the region, outside the state anyway, I'd have to sell the equipment I have, and I do have some of that equipment. But imagine if you ran a small landscaping company, and say you've got six string trimmers, and six backpack blowers, and six lawnmowers, and, and all the other equipment you might have to run a company like that, and they're telling you, take all that stuff and try to sell it if you can outside the state, otherwise... You're going to have to go out and buy a bunch of battery-powered equipment that won't do the job as well. It's that kind of insanity. Janice, thanks so much. I appreciate the call. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. This segment brought to you by the power-generating folks at ProTech Power. Call 541 gen The Lars Larson Show. With
me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.